0: Welcome to the Happy Nervous System Podcast. I'm your host, Kendra Delahook. What we know about mental health is rapidly changing, and I help you stay up to date on the major paradigm shifts, from dating to love to parenting. Get ready to learn about your body, regulate your nervous system, and improve your life and relationships with ease. Let's jump in. Hello, welcome back to the Happy Nervous System podcast. So glad that you are here. Today we are going to talk about parenting and I want to share some parenting myths that I hear very, very frequently from the parents that I work with Um, and I want to debunk them because there are a lot of ideas, I think, around parenting and kids that just aren't true. And so I want to share why they're not true, what is ineffective with these methods, and then provide you with some new strategies that are more effective. So I'm really excited to be starting to add some more parenting episodes to this podcast um, because it's such an important part of the Happy Nervous System podcast and also the mission Of my mental health company, Roya. It is my goal to provide very easy and simple courses on mental health to as many people as I can reach. And I think the more we know about how our bodies work, including how kids' bodies work, the better we do and the happier kids we can raise. And it really does change the world and mental health um, doesn't have to be scary or daunting. I'm really here to simplify it for you. Let's get started. So I'm going to share three myths. The first one is kids should be well behaved. The second is discipline is necessary for change. And the third is that children are manipulative. That's one of my favorites because this That one comes up all the time with families that I work with, and I actually think it's more of a projection of ourselves on kids. So we'll get into that one. But first, let's talk about this idea that kids should be well-behaved. Let's break this down. What does this mean that kids should be well-behaved? And I share in my latest course that it's not actually what happens in life that hurts us. It's the expectations we have that hurt us. And I I really, really think this is a huge expectation that ends up causing a lot of harm and damage to families. And we almost expect this level of perfection and politeness and good manners and kids behaving themselves. And in reality, if a child is always well-behaved, well-mannered and listening, this can actually cause way more mental health challenges, especially later into their adult life. So I wanna help you squash this idea that kids should be well-behaved, and that your child's behavior is a reflection of you as a parent. And again, remember that I'm using quotes with my, with my hands, you can't see, but in quotes, bad behaviors or misbehaving, challenging behaviors, whatever you want to call it. They are an important part of child development and they carry some really, really important messages that we as adults need to listen to, not react to, not discipline, but really listen to because there's invaluable information if we choose to listen. So something that I hear often with kids is that parents they'll come in they'll come into my office sit down on the couch and they'll look at me and they're like trust me i know my kids acting out because in one minute they were fine they i know that they can be a good listener i know that they can play with their sibling without hurting them so they should be able to do this all the time so of course i'm going to discipline a in quotes bad behavior so Let's talk about this. Why does this happen? Why are kids able to really reach their potential and regulate themselves and make good decisions? And then in the next moment, it could even be in the same day, it's like, boom, they have regressed. They have turned into, I don't know what kind of animal to use here, but they, they're not their best selves, and they. this is where they can act out, they can say things that might be inappropriate or even hurtful to parents, they can hit siblings, they can hit the dog, they can, you know, run away from teachers, there's an endless list of what these challenging behaviors look like. Here's where I'm going to challenge you. I don't want to say that kids should misbehave, but I do believe it is very important that we switch our expectations to actually expect challenging behaviors instead of expecting a well-behaved child. So this switch is really, really important to make, um, because again, bad behavior or, or lashing out can be a sign of a healthy, robust, developmentally appropriate child. So in this way, I kind of want to share with you, a child acting out is, can be a beautiful thing. And I know this is hard to hear. And um, I work with so many kids in my practice. And of course, when a child acts out with me or runs away, or if, if I'm with kids and they, they're not them best selves, it's hard. It's really, really hard. But this slight expectation shift could be the difference between you reacting out of anger, fear, exhaustion, whatever it is, or responding from a place of love, of connection and curiosity. Because remember, bad behaviors or challenging behaviors are really, really important messengers. So I want to share a few reasons why acting out can actually be a beautiful thing. And this will change um, at every developmental stage because acting out looks different, um, you know, from a toddler to a teenager. But some examples are it might be a sign that they're pushing back. They're building some autonomy. They're figuring out their power. They might be learning how to stand up for themselves. They might be testing it with you, which I think, you know, parents take the brunt of it. They, our kids, um, you know, practice with us, but this is a really important skill to say no, to test boundaries, to learn about themselves. And this really speaks to their level of safety that they feel with you, that they are showing you through their behaviors that they are struggling inside. So this is a huge turn from a lot of parenting advice because I think a lot of advice out there just looks at the behavior, but I want to challenge you to look at bad behaviors as a child telling you without their words and with their body that they're struggling. And this struggle, again, is different. It shifts um, between ages. So for a little one, this struggle might be they're really hungry or thirsty, and they don't even have the words to say I'm hungry or thirsty. It's just this overwhelming sensation, and it comes out as a bop to your head. They might hit your head or throw a ball. Other times, these challenging behaviors could look like an irrational fear that something might happen to them. So some kids really, really struggle with transition anxiety or separation anxiety. And instead of being able to put their experience to words and say, Mommy, I'm so scared to go to preschool. I don't know if I'll see you again. Instead, their little body is flooded with fear. And the way that they respond is it could be a million things. It could be refusal to eat a meal. It could be having a challenging time getting dressed that day or refusing to buckle in into their car seat. And again, this can change um, even if we look at teenagers. So the struggle is different with teens, but their behaviors are usually connected to an intense, intense shift in so many chemicals and hormones that are filtering and regulating throughout their brain and body. So this shift just really helps parents not take bad behavior personally or as a reflection of their abilities as a parent. So this is a big one. Hopefully I've convinced you why it's important to make this shift and how you can start to reframe challenging behaviors as actually something good and an opportunity to connect. Let's look at number two. The second myth is discipline is necessary for change. And this is another one that I hear all the time. And I was a nanny for, gosh, 15 plus years, so long. And I get it. I mean, when things are hard, when kids don't listen, when their safety is on the line it really feels like the only tool you have to keep them safe and to keep your sanity is to discipline. So there's a ton of compassion for parents that you need, you need to have compassion for yourselves in these moments because they're so extraordinarily stressful and you're doing the best you can. But here is why this is a myth and that there's other tools for change. Let's look at the definition of discipline, and I found a good one. I found one that says the practice of training people to obey rules or a code of behavior using punishment to correct disobedience. Now, on the first read, it seems fine. Of course, we need to live by a set of rules and principles. and We need to teach our kids how to have good behaviors, The key word in this definition of where we go wrong is um, when they say using punishment to correct disobedience. So I think so often we automatically code a bad behavior or a dangerous one as disobedience, as a child intentionally being disobedient, intentionally choosing the wrong behavior. So I want to say that discipline, for the most part, comes from a rational and reasonable place of wanting to follow through on this duty of keeping your child away from harm. But here's the first example. Let's imagine a two or three-year-old and they're struggling with hitting the dog. I see this a lot. (laughs) Poor animals and younger siblings, I think, Absorb a lot of the internal struggle of toddlers. It's just, it's hard. So let's say your child is doing this, or you're working with a child who's doing this. Let's talk about what's ineffective. Spanking, yelling, taking away toys, or making threats, I would say, are an ineffective way to change this behavior because you are assuming that the child is doing it on purpose, that they're being disobedient. And as adults, it's really easy to use our frame of mind to look at a child's behavior. But remember, they have very, very different brains than us and a completely different sense of reality. So what is more effective? A More effective tool would be to create more physical boundaries with the dog So understanding the idea that your toddler does not yet have the brain capacity to regulate themselves and to make a good decision, you wouldn't discipline the child, you would just set them up for success by creating more space from the dog. Another effective strategy is to approach your child with curiosity. So start to be curious about when this behavior happens. And you might discover that your child might be on sensory overload, depending on the time of the day. So you can ask yourself, does hitting the dog happen all the time? Does it happen when they just get up from a nap? Does it happen when you usually have guests over? So when you don't jump into discipline, you're able to really look at your child with curiosity and then respond in a way that honors their developmental stage and toddlers again their little brains and bodies are just hijacked all the time and they do not have the capacity to intentionally be disobedient. They're basically like little machines just constantly reacting to their environment. Hopefully that's helpful. Let's talk about another example This is for an older child, so a teenager not coming to the table. Another one I see all the time, adolescents are really, really challenging. Um, But again, remember, their brains are not fully developed until their 20s. And I think for some people in their early 30s. So although they have many more tools in their kit to talk, to put words to feelings and to communicate, their body and mind is still learning how to regulate, how to be in this world. So an ineffective strategy here with teens is to ground them or to shame. So focusing on the discipline, focus on taking away. I hear a lot of parents just get so frustrated with their kids and they just want them to come to the dinner table for one meal. They'll say things like, I do everything for you in this house. Won't you just sit down and be thankful for a meal? So that's really challenging because right away you see a parent's—they're assuming that their child not wanting to come to the dinner table is a reflection of them as a parent. But let me share a more effective way that severs this tide and probably is not a reflection of you as a parent. So an effective strategy here would be to take a small step back and realize that this behavior is not connected to you, but more connected to what's happening to the inside of their body and their mind. So when you're able to take a breath and just be curious, you might remember that they have a ton of new expectations in school. Um, Maybe they have some friend issues, social pressures going on. Maybe they just spent way too much time on social media or playing video games or something that just shifted their nervous system into a place of stress or feeling down or depressed. It could also be related to just a good old hormone swing, especially for females. So this approach will lead you to a totally different way to respond. You move from reacting, to taking away, to getting mad, to being curious. When we're curious, we don't miss our opportunity to better connect and better understand the uniqueness of our child. And when we're able to do this, we might ask them more how their day was. We might slow down ourselves. We choose connection, which ironically will get that teenager to the table because they feel seen and they feel embraced in their struggle and not in trouble for just being themselves and having a hard time in their body. The third myth is that children are manipulative. And I mentioned this before, but this is a juicy one. I hear it night and day. Um, And to start us off, I really do think this is when parents can project their own manipulative tendencies onto kids. I hear parents all the time say things like Judah knows just what to do to make his mom cave or Johnny only has meltdowns with me at home, never in front of his teachers or at school or something like Julie knows how to work me when she really wants something. They know how to work us. They know how to work the system. So there's a little bit of humor here, but I actually believe that gives children way too much credit. We are assuming that they can do something that we can do as adults. But remember, a child's brain simply does not have the same capabilities of an adult brain and manipulation is actually a complicated cognitive task you have to be thinking about yourself your plan how the other person might react it's it's not easy and it really does take a lot of brain power to execute a manipulation plan so responding to in quotes manipulation with discipline just doesn't work, does not work for most kids. And it's important again here to not take it personally if you, you know, you see your child in, in a manipulative state or situation. And let's talk about why. So what's more effective is to reframe a manipulative behavior. as your child actually doing their best to get their needs met. So this is a really really important reframe. When a child maybe puts on a show, will shift from bawling their eyes out to smiling in 2 seconds if you whip out a donut. There's so many cute examples of when kids will just like flip on a dime. This is not manipulation. It's actually their best attempt at getting their needs met from moment to moment to moment. I also want to talk about the idea of um, children acting out only in certain situations. So why does this happen? Why do some people act like angels in some situations and then at home they can completely unwind and lose it? For a lot of kids, they actually don't feel safe or comfortable enough to have meltdowns or to be whiny or to express how much they're struggling inside with adults in their life, especially for sensory kiddos who tend to get overwhelmed by their environments. From a teacher's perspective, they might look like they're having amazing behavior and the teachers might actually share with the parents a lot of praise of you're doing a great job and Billy is just so well-behaved. But that's what they're seeing on the outside. On the inside, there could be a whole range of things happening. He might be a happy kid, but if he's having meltdowns at home and it's not congruent of when he's acting out, we know that he is having a difficult time getting his needs met at school, or when he's in overwhelm or overdrive. And in this way, it's actually a huge testament to your relationship with your child if they act out with you. You are the lucky one, and I want to convince you why. Kids and adults only show up as their true authentic selves with people they feel safe and loving and trusting with. So in the presence of a warm and loving caregiver, kids can become undone. They can test more boundaries. They can act stranger, maybe ask, again, those inappropriate questions or say mean things. And to a parent, this can feel so painful because you love them endlessly and you've put in so much work to raise this child. But when you're able to not take it personally as your kid trying to hurt you or being manipulative or being bad, and just seeing them trying to work through their developmental stage of what's up, what's down, what's right or wrong, then you can actually see it as a gift, as a testament to the safety you provide them as a caregiver. All right, so we made it through Three tough ones. I have so many more to share with you. I would love to hear how this landed. I know there are many questions that parents have, so I'm going to create a question box on the Roya Wellness website um, where you can feel free to type in questions of topics you want addressed on this podcast. And I also want to give a very, very, very special thanks to my mom, Dr. Mona Delahook. She has been the biggest influence on my life in the field of mental health. And most all of these concepts have come from our conversations about shared cases and just what we think is quite outdated in this field. She is a pioneer and so committed to helping everyone understand the true meaning of challenging behaviors and really why discipline and punishment only gets us farther away from our goal of raising an emotionally healthy child with positive mental health. So I'll definitely be having her on this podcast a ton and I will be hosting her I think in a few weeks and we are talking specifically about toddlers and why spanking and timeouts are not good for the emotional well-being of toddlers. So if you are a toddler parent, you work with toddlers, um, or if you have friends who have toddlers, be sure to tune in to this episode. I'll be sharing more about this on our Instagram at roya.wellness. And I'm very excited to share with you. Thanks so much for being here today. I will see you in the next episode.